0: the latinx community is a complex diverse group of people that have had a massive unquestionable influence on north american culture and society whether it's music art sports or politics you can't tell the story of u.s history without latinx history yet for far too long in this country this group has been oppressed forgotten and treated as a monolith in a moment where many social movements have enveloped the u.s how can one tell the intricate story of the latinx experience in america and how can those stories be used to bridge communities and create significant, lasting change? This is Campus on the Common, the podcast of bright ideas from Emerson College's School of Communication. Broadcasting from Boston, Massachusetts, I'm your host, Emerson College alumnus and Professor of Communication Studies, Mark Brody. Let's talk with Professor of Journalism, Lena Marie Heraldo, an artist from Columbia, to discuss her work telling the stories of the Latinx community. Professor Lina Maria Geraldo, welcome to Campus on the Common. I understand that you are a master storyteller and you've had a number of different public installations on a global basis. I'm wondering, could you tell us how do you use storytelling to make social change?
1: Mark, first of all, thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be sharing my work. To answer your question, I think the most important that I want to highlight is a quote that I really like to think about my work and how we actually define and move forward. And is that there were no Hispanics living in the United States before 1970. Do you think that's right? It's not really right.
0: That that sounds a little bit crazy.
1: It is crazy, uh, particularly when we think about the Cuban community. But what happened is that we never were included in the census. No, Nobody thought about really put a check and say, hey, how many Latinos are here? Are you Latino? Are you people of color? Where are you coming from? So we only start counting Latino communities after 1970. And that means after that, we will only be able to take decisions. So this is something that I really want to think about my work when I'm thinking and working with the community. And it's really the equality and fairness when we are looking at data and when we are looking at stories. As you know, it's not only one side of the story, it's many sides of the stories.
0: That's fascinating. I can completely understand how prior to 1970, the institutions generally following a mainstream, in this case, a, a white society overlooking other members of our United States community. So with that, how do you wrong that right? How do you take that data And provide a story around it that people can understand and hopefully take action on.
1: Well, I think one of the main focus, and it all goes based on technology and inclusivity, which is a huge, strong part of my work, is that we need to make sure, I want to give you like three key points. One is data literacy, and the other one is humanizing the data. I like to think that numbers don't speak by themselves. We definitely are we need to really focus in who is collecting the data, how is this data collecting the community that we are working with? And at the same time, we need to make sure that we are humanizing the data. We need to make sure that we interview the community who is affected by that data. So this is where I think my core structure of all my work really is focused on is how we humanize those stories, how we actually have a participatory co-creating process when we are working in stories, how we give the power of the community as being a facilitator and bring the right tool sets to work together to build that. So it is a combination of bringing these tools to the community to give the chance to them to tell the stories, at the same time, be critical when we are thinking about data, how the data is being affecting the story. And when we are doing research, we need to think about it: how is this data collected? How is this data organized? Who Collected the data, who pay for the data, and and really how this really is defining the narrative that we are talking to, and I'm giving you an example. In many, we, in many of the data that we use, for example, if you look in in COVID, just to put this in a, in an actual in a real example, right now, we need to figure out how the community of callers is being affected dramatically by the numbers. And so we need to figure out when we are looking at the data to really understand and see who is actually telling us about this data.
0: I completely understand your point and think it's completely accurate. And I believe in what you're saying in terms of we need to collect data on different people, the census being a great example of that. But once we have the data, isn't it enough just to say, well, here's the, here are the findings. Why do we use story in connection with data?
1: Well, I think we need to change the narratives. And I think that's one of the most important parts when we're thinking about data, we need to really be, and I say it before, we need to be critical when we are bringing the data, we need to focus and we need to see through the eye to the, to the data to bring the story. So one of the things that I think is we need, to, um, and my work really focus on the voice of the unrepresented. And I truly believe, for example, in crowdsourcing and, and creating and empowering people, as I mentioned before, with data literacy. So it's a big concept here that I'm talking about. And, and I wanna make sure that I kind of, I'm clear on this in the way that we are looking into how the data is collected, how inclusive is the data, as well, how we are changing the narratives that are happening throughout the years. Now, no more, more than ever, we are living in elements that environmental justice is crucial in where racial tensions are higher than ever. And we need to really understand and change the narratives and use the data from a perspective of equity to be clear. We are moving to a world which is mainly digital, when we are talking about AI, face recognition. So we need to make sure that we include every single, di- like every single uh, minority into the process so we are fair when we are describing these stories.
0: You'd mentioned that it's important to change the narrative. But I'm wondering, when you have communities that up until 1970 haven't had any data, any meaningful data collection, one would think that there are not a lot of official narratives, at least in terms of the government. So in a case like that, I'm wondering, is there a narrative of a change? But I guess more importantly, or equally important, what is the value of a narrative in terms of how people interpret the data?
1: I think I'm going to go back and let me know if I understood your question correctly. But I, I think just to make sure, I, I think one of the things that we need to do more than ever, and, and this is an old concept, we were talking about media literacy. And I want to bring from media literacy to move Again, to as I say, data literacy. Um, you question how we how we change the narrative and how also we make sure that the community that we are changing the narrative understand where we are looking into.
0: Is that correct? Well, well yes and no. It's it's more than just the community. It's, so, and I think an example would be instead of just like the the Latinx community. And now that we have data, we can create narratives. What I'm wondering about is the power of narrative to add humanization or contextualization. So for somebody that's not from that Latinx community, if we look at official government records, according to the government, there were no, there was no Latinx community before 1970, which we all know is (laughs) screwy. But that said, and, and be that as it may, we've got, according to this 1970s, lack of information from the census, no official, narratives based around the Latinx community. So if you're from a place that does not have representatives of that community, you would, one would assume that you're not really familiar with it. So you could present information, you know, data that's been converted into information to that community, like, oh yes, X percentage of the population is from that community. Okay, great, um, that's, that's a nice factoid, but there's no context, there's no humanization. So I'm wondering, how do you take the data And how do you give it a story so that people who are not from that community can understand the significance of that data, especially as it represents or doesn't represent a specific element of society?
1: Well, I think I'm gonna just go back to a person. Like I, I'm thinking, I'm gonna give you examples. For example, about my work, and I think that my uh, define it from my own perspective. I'm there is one work that I did when I was doing the um, Boston Artist in Residency in the city of Boston, and it's called Identity Technology and Storytelling. One of the main idea it was just working with the high Park community, uh, which is mainly Haitian, Dominican. It was a huge issue of what identity means and what representation means, and I think it answered a little bit your question of how we actually bring these concepts into the community, no? And, and the community that is mainly white, how you talk about identity uh, when the community moved there only in the seventies, uh, when only the seventies were able to buy houses, no? And with the community was mainly Irish before. So how do you actually tell the other community what identity is and how you can represent that through work? So I think one of the examples that I wanna give is, I have the opportunity to work with the community for um, almost a year, maybe like 10 months, and maybe two months and three months doing research. And the main motivation was to create ownership and understand identity using technology and storytelling. What was important for me, it was that we understood that also we were not consumers, that we actually could be creators, that we can actually create our own information and we can actually create our own devices. So when we were moving, doing this project, the main goal was to create ownership into the project. So we have, and I explained later the details, but at the goal idea is we moved for a year just learning coding and creating a storytelling. We actually create um, video cameras from scratch, which I move forward in a detail, but what we wanna do, it was just really use this affordable technology using recycled materials and interview the community. And that community, it was a mix of where it was High Park. We have people of color, we have white communities, we have a lot of different backgrounds. And the best way that we actually were able to bring that connection, this humanizing, it was really to embed them into the conversation. So sometimes you cannot change the whole world, I wish, but sometimes just this is small work, this is small installations, this is small kind of workshops that are happening, that small bridges that are happening to the community where we actually have everyone from different backgrounds in the same table really help us to create bridge of communications. Sadly, sometimes uh, misunderstanding and misinformation uh, and lack of education sometimes is really what divide many of the communities and also generate segregation. And, and that goes to the narrative. You asked me before, how can you change the narrative? And we, the media has feed certain narrative for so many years. And so the best way is to really go to the community level, to the community approach, and just bring this type of exercises, just bring this outside of the um, media, outside of the social media, and bring it into the community as well using technology. uh, A simple way of crowdsourcing and make the change with the smallest steps. So I do. I do truly really believe in community organizations from the grassroots perspective because that sometimes makes more change than they really just create a PR or create like you like for example I live in a very wide community and I'm, I'm, I'm pretty much a minority where I live. So sometimes there is a lot of misinformation. What do I am and what means to be a Latino woman? And and I think I sometimes you just need to be yourself. Sometimes and sometimes you need to just do civic work together. Sometimes you need to have the same goal to work forward. And that type of exercises and that type of implementation is what changed the narrative. It's, it's, so I hope I answered your question based on some of my work
0: it sounds fascinating it's sort of a combination of participatory work civic engagement and creative storytelling all coming together with those homemade do-it-yourself cameras that you your team devised which in and itself i think could be a unique podcast to hear how that came about i'm wondering I understand the contribution. I'm wondering about the impact that that particular exercise had in terms of addressing social change within that community.
1: I think I'm going to answer this in two different parts. The first and the last part is the goal, it was to, we were, we work and we really want to show the work um, that it was produced in Hyde Park. As you know, the geographic location of Hyde Park is completely separated from Boston. In a way, that the only way to get there is through taking three buses from downtown and taking the commuter rail. So if you get a sense of transportation also give you a sense of how isolated and how disconnected is from the rest of the city. So one of the first goals I have, it was how can we bring this work to a gallery in the South End and and bring all the work that we have done, like the interactive uh, poetry that we created using processing, also bringing all the stories that we recorded with the cameras that they built and and the interviews they created. So that was kind of first. It was just creating this breach and kind of taking down those walls of segregations that are so... um, well mark here in in Boston and just bring work from the community to another different pretty much wealthy uh, community and that was kind of something that it was super interesting because it really bring a different narrative from what the community are used to be like hey we a stem is not only for uh, for people of means a stem is something that we can actually bring into community of colors we can actually create our own imba- our own technology we can actually create our own stories we have the power to do that so that's kind of the the first way that i I can see this as bringing this into the next step.
0: What I love about your project is the democratization of narrative. And what I mean by that, if you look back in the history books, almost all the stories of yesteryear are about the victors over the vanquished, those who are truly powerful. I use an analogy from the Game of Thrones where people would say, I'm going to rise to great things and they will write songs about me that they'll sing in the pubs. Okay, that's true. But most of the songs that they sang in the pubs were about the kings and the queens and the oligarchs, and they're they're super powerful. But for the average person uh, working as most likely as a peasant, there were no stories. So history was passed down from those who were people of means. Now, flash forward to the current day where most people have some kind of recording device in their pocket, we tend to call those smartphones, they can record audio and video. And that alone gives them the means by which they can record a narrative and pass that on. And if they go forth and understand how to actually create a narrative, understand the character, understand the conflict the character is going through, the climatic results of how they overcame that challenge and then the conclusion, ah, this is how we as humans learn from other people's examples. Another wonderful thing about humans and storytelling is within our brains, we have this thing called the mirror neuron, where we can look upon somebody else and their activities and physically feel and emotionally connect with what they're doing. One way that manifests with me as a Tom Brady and Gronk fan for you football people out there is when Tom Brady and Gronk connect, even though he's no longer a patriot, he's with the Buccaneers, I physically feel good. And although I don't have their athletic prowess, I pretend I do as I watch Gronk slam that ball into the end zone. And I feel great. But at the same time, when Brady and Gronk have a bad day, I physically feel that as well. And I probably don't have the same aches and pains after the game that they do, but... During that game, I will have had the emotional highs and the emotional lows of that. And the same thing happens when we go to a movie. We get involved with a character and we relate to them. We empathize with them. And that helps build our own compassion internally. So now that we've built our empathy towards that character, when they get to the conflict that they're trying to overcome, we can relate to some degree to that character. So that when they're going about contending with that challenge, it comes home to us again through those mirror neurons. So for me, as a white, straight, middle-class guy, when I hear stories from other people's experiences and they've built that character that I can relate to on some level, when it gets to the challenge stage, now it's like, wow, I I, I can pretend to see it through their eyes. Although I'll never share their experience, I think just being a good human enables you to feel somewhat of, of the other person's experience. So when we take that to the level that you have within a community where there's data, just raw data, raw data to me doesn't mean very much. But if it's contextualized and put into a narrative where I can somehow relate to it, aha, that data has now become information and that information has now become part of a narrative that I can relate to, that you know that I can generate empathy towards the character and the conflict related to that data. It essentially gives data a whole new meaning and a whole new life and a means for me as somebody who's not from the Hyde Park community, but now, even though I, I'm culturally different from the group you were working with, I can have some insights on a human level into what they're all about. And I firmly believe at the end of the day, we have far more in common than what separates us. So by building that human bridge, by Building empathy within all of us, a story gives us the ability to look, to take data, convert it to information, convert it to a narrative, convert it to an empathetic experience where we're now experiencing something from somebody else's existence and something that most likely I would never have the opportunity to do unless there was that story. So what you're doing, I think, is amazing and incredible and so sought after and needed. And I compliment your efforts. And I'm wondering what other types of projects have you worked on that have done this sort of work?
1: Well, I when you were talking about cell phones, reminds me a little bit of a project that I did a while back that it was called City Journalist. And what I have the opportunity, I was part of the Creative City Grant from the New England Foundation for the Arts, and I was partnering up with Urbanum Project, which is located in Jamaica Plain, which mainly work with uh, Boston Public School high schools and charter schools in the area, or oh, in different areas. So um, we, so the idea was, and and that was the moment that we were thinking, how much power, like we start documenting it everything, no? Uh, There was no stories anymore. We have our eyes in our hands, no? And so how we can actually bring some focus in of the elements that we have, like a cell phone, and tell stories. And I think that's also how we create connections. I think anything that you say is really about trust and connections. And and at the end, um, more than the data, more than the stories, is how we connect to each other. And I think that connection is extremely important. So what we were do, trying to do with these cell phones, it was just think about cultural roots in, in Eggleston Square. Um, I have a couple of works in Eggleston Square, which somehow are related. And it was mainly focused because of the problems of gentrifications, which I don't want to mention gentrification, because it's more about affordability and how that change of affordability and lack of access really is erasing um, the Latino community who's been there for the last 30 years. So w- we were trying with the, um, I call it the young journalists or the city journalists, which were mainly high schools. They went to the storefront. So they interview barbershops, they interview... Um, bodegas they interview uh, different stores like um, miscellaneous and so anything that it really it was a presentation and how it bring how, what they mean to be in uh, the latino community how they mean to be uh, the community who's been trying to survive for so long, and that connection, that trust, is what we were trying to do. Just really going to the cell phone, introducing ourselves. Uh, we have this journalist who took the photo. Uh, in the moments, we were working with the API from Instagram. They can actually take the photo and map it on the on the locations. We also have this connection of location and story and we at the end we collect a bunch of stories and we project them in a festival that we created with Urbano and the idea was it was an Eggleston Winter Festival the idea was to really just talk about this connection so we created trust and and Based on this interactions so of the the students and the high school students, which I decide, I I think it's better and fair call them the journalists because they really were the one in the front and asking questions and introducing themselves and and find this source of what it means to be you. Where are your cultural roots? What do you want to be perceived like? What do you want to left that is important? And the festival it was mainly the idea of let's bring these voices out and so we did rear projections on the front uh, stores of many of them they actually of the stores that we actually interview people so we were doing it in Washington Street so so it was that so that kind of really go back to the idea of the connection and trust. How can you bring the same idea with identity and technology storytelling? How could we collect these stories and bring it to the public? How can we create trust with the community, but at the same time, we are bringing those out and so anyone else have access to it? And it goes back to the idea of accessibility. And it also, it kind of connected through the the latest project that I did, that it was called Golden Home. So Golden Home, it was mainly about affordability. And what happened is, and it's been still happening, is in the last four or five years, high-rise luxury buildings are just growing up everywhere. So we have a huge push between the wealthy white community through the middle class and to... Roxbury. So that goes back to the idea of the data, no? Like if we look at the data, we see that um, we have the African-American community, the Eggleston Square is mainly Latino, and um, Jamaica Plain, which is on the other side, is very wealthy community and white mainly. So it was this kind of moving forward what is happening in every big city in the United States. We were talking about that many of the rents were increased 1500 to 30,000, 30, 40,000 in, in manners of years. And, and that's a huge change where families were living three or four. Now they cannot afford to live there anymore. And that goes back to a lot of different things of transportation that we definitely could have another see, an hour to talk about this. But the whole idea was like, I don't want to talk about gentrification. That's a heavy loaded work. I really want to talk is about what really affordability means to every person. And that goes to the ideas that you mentioned before. I'm just here a facilitator and I sat in a parking lot for months and during summer, very hot summer. I remember uh, under a tent. Um, and I was exchanging balloons, which has the logo of a golden home and I was waiting there. Sometimes I have cookies, water, lemonade, and I have, I cover a lot of balloons so people knew that I was there. And it was this kind of real estate black icon of houses. And people came to talk to me and and I give them the option. I never have the cameras there, but if you want to I have the cameras kind of hiding on the table. And if you, I I try to create trust first and if they really trust me enough to share the story and they were okay with that, and I have the consent, I give them the option to do an audio interview or a video interview, or honestly just a written interview. And so I have these collections of many, many stories. I have, I give away more than 600 balloons and, and took photos and I have, I think it was one of the hardest projects I have done. And um, it really took a little bit of my soul away too because it was it's so hard because you were talking with community of colors who are left behind, uh, single moms uh, who are in a limbo because in order to get access and help from the city, they needed to live with the, on the street and so if you are couching around with your friends you are not considered homeless and when you have a kid you don't want to sleep on the street so this kind of middle ideas that it doesn't give go anywhere so I was humble for the people who share those stories with me and and really I it's a big responsibility because you don't want to advantage. You want to be fair enough to bring those stories out. And the best way of doing that as well, it was just give them the opportunity to talk to me. And it was, if they want to talk, they came to me curious about what that house means. And the house really was so powerful as a symbol that they thought I have um, affordability, more more affordability solutions, or they thought I have more information from the city that I can give opportunities to. So it was an interesting kind of process and and at the end what happened is I was able the same idea of the last two projects how we bring this into the public and I took 26 portraits of community leaders and they were installed in the second floor of them I was from high school on the second floor there were live portraits and they were decals from the outside. So it was kind of honoring the community members that not kind of honoring the community members that really have changed the narrative. And how can we give them that moment of proudness and and show it to the rest of the people who is driving by, you know? It's a very busy street. So it's it's, it's a connection, it's a connector in, in in the location, in geographic location. So I, I, I'm, so that's kind of two projects that I think kind of answered your question about trust and connections in a very long answer.
0: <laughs> yeah, but but oh, what what great examples and 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 kudos to you. I mean, that's just really awesome what you've done. You, you went to an area, a part of Boston that they're going about their daily lives, but you took the time to gain the trust of the community. I mean, talk about a grassroots effort. You were there under a tent with balloons. Sweating through the summer and building those relationships that you could then use to create the stories, to understand what exactly is happening and give voice to those that otherwise might not have taken advantage of an opportunity to to share their voice. You then took it to the next level by essentially honoring and celebrating a particular community by letting them reflect back on what they're all about through the projections, through the pictures, through all those different elements. For those that had never understood the importance, now through your activities and the, the capabilities of storytelling, you enabled people to see a side that they might not have seen before. And for those who are from outside the community, you provided the means by which they can have a context and perhaps a connection to that community where previous to your actions, none had existed. So that speaks to the power of narrative, to the power of storytelling, along with the power of art to help persuade, inform and educate people. So I I stand in awe. That's that's really cool. I mean, that's I I like what you've done and I wish Emerson, the Emerson community as a whole would embrace more activities like that where we we go out, we work with the community and we find out what they're all about. We find their stories and we share those stories. So that is just Fantastic. And thank you for doing that. And thank you for sharing. So I'm wondering in our remaining time, if you had three takeaways that you could share with the audience.
1: Yes, I think I'm going to say three things are really important for me in a way that I want to put it from the perspective of civic engagement. The first one is change narrative based on community input. The second is create bridges between generations and the third is facilitate environment for co-creation.
0: I'm wondering, any chance you could give us some examples of those three points? They're great takeaways. I'm just wondering if we could help contextualize that for the audience.
1: Well, I think I go back uh, from a personal perspective of when we are talking about changing narratives from based on the community input is if I go back to the idea of the identity technology or storytelling as well, we were doing the workshops and learning coding and learning electronics um, that trust that we created and that interactive poetry that we were creating, I was just making sure that they have the technology to build, but the stories are theirs. And so that's the input when I think about civic engagement. So
0: so this is when you went out and you actually used, it was a sort of a do-it-yourself, build-a-video-camera project. That yes. was the electronic and the coding part. Yes. And once they did that, they used those those homemade devices, <laughs> which is cool into itself. They used those homemade devices to capture and create a, a narrative.
1: Yeah. So that's kind of what I think and create bridges between generations. And um, One of the coolest things that I have learned and just humble to learn is that When you have a room where middle schools, high schools, and seniors working together, it is a humble opportunity for learn from different perspectives. And I think one takeaway is that if we can actually bring that into our daily lives, and bring seniors in more in, with middle schools and high schools, that's an excellent opportunity to create a better society, a society where we respect each other from different perspectives and we are open-minded to learn uh, from different values. So I learned that also in identity technology storytelling. And also when you go out and interview the community members, when you're learning learning we were learning code and electronics, and with seniors, high schools, and middle schools on the same table, and that's uh, an, a lesson that I wish we have in a classroom <laughs> when we are teaching. I'm a designer, I'm an artist, I'm a professor, I'm a, a community connector, but at the same time, I am a facilitator, and and I think we need to be respectful to always learn and. In these three different roles that I have in life, even as a mother, too, you have to be a facilitator. Um, is and facilitator is to bring the the, the tool sets that you think uh, it bring uh, comfort. It bring people to a comfort zone and to share and learn those stories. So um, and it's a hard thing to be because uh, like you need to put yourself. In another different stance. You need to be an observer and, and you need to be open for anything. So I think we need to be more facilitators and, and bring more tool sets uh, to really to move forward.
0: We talked with professor of journalism, Lena Marie Geraldo, a Colombian board artist who lives and works in Boston. She focuses on interactive storytelling towards social change with a diverse background ranging from digital educational tools, public art, screen-based installations, and computer-generated work. She's exhibited her work in galleries, shows, and public spaces throughout Massachusetts, New York, and her native Columbia. Her work has been covered in media including the Boston Globe, ABC News, The Artery, ArtLink, WBOR, and WGBH. You've been listening to Campus on the Common. I'm your host, Mark Brody. The executive producer is Dean Raul Rice. Lucas Poyser is our producer and chief engineer. Oliver Glass is our associate producer. Campus on the Common provides an expert view into the field of media and communication through the lens of academic experts and industry professionals from Emerson and beyond. Campus on the Common is a production of Emerson College's School of Communication. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts.